Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. show friend of the show coach of the maryland eastern shore hawks out of the MEAC conference my man the one only jason crafting with me coach what is do man up on the eastern shore man boss man down there representing the atl man you guys put a put a good one on my sixers man i don't know i'm a, I'm a little reluctant to be here <laughs> with the hurting that your, your hogs put on my sixers man but Always a great time to come and catch up with you, man. Uh, watch out for the fire alarm in the back. We got a little <laughs> fire drill going on here. Uh, but all is well down here at the shore. No doubt, Coach. Look, Coach Craft, look at here, man. We talked literally about two weeks before your season got canceled last year. Like, we talked. Yeah. Things was looking good. Then it got canceled like two weeks later. So take us back to that point for you. When you got that news, had to tell your players, your staff, and – Everybody getting up for a season, it ain't, ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough uh, timeline of events. You know, I think when we first uh, did our, our our podcast, I think we had just canceled the non-conference season. So we knew at that time, I think when we were talking, that we weren't going to play non-conference games. So we were kind of getting prepared to play, you know, MEAC-only games, you know. Um, and, and then, you know, we got, we got shut down entirely. So... Um, it was a dynamic experience. It was a, a, a dynamic challenge uh, that made us stronger, um, you know, to be able to handle all the, the challenges that came with that in terms of just kind of being there for our players um, and that initial part where they kind of found out. And then that the second part was when, you know, be, having to watch teams play when we couldn't play, you know. But uh, we've got amazing guys here, and, and I feel like they really fought through and, and the guys that are that are back here uh, on campus right now in the summer and some of the, the dynamic recruits we've been able to bring in during this time, the guys are excited to get back to playing basketball, and we're excited to, to have a season this coming year. How about that? I know if you took away football from me <laughs> and I saw all the kids playing football from me, I would have probably left Tennessee State in a hard <laughs> and found some Well, I think, I think you saw, yeah, I think you saw <laughs> when, when Cookman, Cookman announced before we – canceled um and they had like six guys leave right away um ended up losing I think eight guys from their program um you know when we announced you know we had some turnover you know it, it, it's part of it in that type of climate when you when you make a decision like that you know which is safety related financial related so many layers to it you, you know in, in this season we saw teams that tried to play that had to pull out uh like Howard I saw my man Kenny out there they were trying to do it and then they had to stop. And, and uh, you know, and you had situations like us and Bethune Cookman in our league that didn't try at all. And, and uh, so what we did during that time was we really tried to do a lot of focusing on our guys' mental health and, and trying to bring in a company called Team 100 that did a lot of seminars with our guys, uh, talking about sleep deprivation, uh, deprivation, 
Uh, also talk about time management. We had a financial guy come in and talk to our guys. You know, when college guys get the Pell Grant, you know, oh, they yes. get all those. <laughs> I mean, they go spend them on some Jordans, <laughs> you know. Yes. You know, we had a financial guy come in and talk to our guys about some of the fundamentals and the basics of investing and saving so they could put their money to use. So over four years, they could have, you know, some uh, increased value when they graduate and some earnings uh, during this time. So uh, those things were cool. And then we also had uh, some different a leadership series where one of my main men, my, my guy from back in the day, Kyle Lowry, um, who I coached at Villanova, came in and spoke to our guys and, and gave them some encouraging words and tried to just keep them upbeat. Uh, we played Jeopardy via, via Zoom. We did different type of games and stuff like that. Uh, we did everything we possibly could to keep our guys engaged. But I do think they enjoyed Kyle Lowry coming in. And shout out to him, uh, former guard I coached at, at Villanova back in the day, <laughs> who's NBA champion, NBA all-star, uh, and an NBA legend now in his own right. Uh, he gave us a, a great boost of encouragement to our program. So uh, challenging time, no doubt about it. Uh, but, but we found our best way to get through. I even went back to school, boss, man. I took a class uh, this spring, a continuing education class wow. called Changing the Culture. Uh, change the culture, change the game, which is something that we're definitely trying to do uh, here. Shout out to, to Dr. Chico Caldwell. No doubt. And think it's the thing about this, your Sixers. If they gave up Thibel and Maxie and, and Danny Green, they could add Kyle Lowry for that run and possibly could have beat the Hawks. I'm just saying. Ooh, man. Ah, oh, man. If Kyle Lowry was on that Sixers team, they, they, they that, that would have been an, an interesting addition right there. It would have been curious to see what they would have lost, though. You, you know, like, you, you know, what would they have lost to get that acquisition? That would have been interesting to see. So, uh, but yeah, man, it, it, you know, that, 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 that would, that's a piece that would have been a nice one. Well, well I got there from, from, from good sources. It was Thibel, Maxi, <laughs> Danny Grant, first round draft pick. That oh, yeah. Masai, Masai wanted for Kyle Lowry. And they said no. <laughs> they're probably seeing that, you know, like, you know, Danny's, you know, uh, you know, uh, but they're not even, I don't know if they're keeping Danny right now. Matisse is a good young player that's got a bright future defensively and he's starting to develop offensively. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's always, the trading game is always interesting, man. It's always interesting. Yes, we'll get to that too, man. And, uh, and so for you, man, so coach, going back to school, man, you know, for me, I'll be real with you. I'm, I'm in school too. I go, I go to a class on Saturdays to learn about. Africa. Okay. So, I learned, I learned about our people. So, I with you. Trying to take tests, man, read more books than I've ever read in my life, man. A little different for me. I got my master's degree back 10 years ago, but I've been out of school for reading to comprehend for a test. Now, I, I read just yeah, to yeah. read casually, but not read to be tested on it. So, I feel – so, how was it getting having to take tests and write papers? I know I'm not really back in the groove yet, but how how is it for you? I tell you what, um, Dr. Chico Caldwell does an amazing job with this class. It's it, it's it's for especially somebody like you and me that's just getting back acclimated to going to school. You know, when you think about the dynamic of a canceled season, one to fill the gaps, not just for our players and have a lot of just um, engaging things for them. I encourage my staff to also do something, you know, to 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 better yourselves. And for me, what I did was I really taken that class. So. Um, the way the class was, it was very engaging. It was very interactive. Um, there was homework, but it was almost like your homework was preparing presentations and to, to come back to the class on a Zoom and present. And, and, and it was very, it was right up my alley in terms of being a coach and being able to do it in that manner. So I wasn't exactly writing 10 to 15 page papers like you might be, you know, 
but I was putting together, you know, PowerPoints and things like that to be able to uh, present in the class sessions and work with groups and small groups and large groups. And it was cool. It was a great experience. Learned a lot, a lot of applicable stuff that you can apply to not just being a coach, but also um, in administrative affairs in terms of dealings and institutions and just the, the, the battle when you're trying to uh, change your culture, trying to create a new climate for success and creative ways to do that. And that was one of the most benefits of that class. And it's funny for me, I'm actually going to do a paper on Haiti and the Haitian Revolution, yeah. which look what's happening right now. So all this goes back to the back when Tucson and Desaline. So it's like it's crazy how the current events in Haiti tie into what my paper is right now about the Haitian Revolution for my class. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> no question, man. No question. And Dr. Colwell that runs the class. He's got a longstanding history also with HBCUs and HBCU administrators and just, you know, as we with this big push for HBCU climates and, and recruiting and basketball and academia, you know, it, there's, there's, there's such a big time push right now in that climate. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of, uh, of that movement right now and, and trying to, you know, help Maryland's ensure, you know, in our basketball program, a situation that, as you know, we've talked, it's, you know, hasn't had uh much success you know the last 30 years it's a 28 percent winning percentage you know with a lot of turnover with with head coaches here um so we're really trying to you know take a lot of those practices we learned in there and just take all the experiences that i've had at villanova with the philadelphia 76ers and other places i've been and try to find a way to bring this program together inspire a new family atmosphere um, with our alumni and, and hopefully get some progress on the basketball court in some coming years and what's crazy is going to year three with a lost year you know, so you have a lost yeah. year here for year two. And what my thing about it is this, you still have to have something to build your brand because you're starting from scratch again. Yeah, so yeah, people don't yeah, understand. No so I'm, I'm hoping that those, that the powers that be will give the opportunity <laughs> for, for you to grow because, you know, I'm like, look, my man's in year three, but he started from scratch again. Well, it's funny. Yeah, sometimes I walk around and I say, uh, you know, I introduced myself. How you doing? I'm Jason Kraft, and I'm the new men's basketball coach. Because at, at the end of the day, Jr., we are back in year one. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yes. we might be year three on paper, but we're year one, especially in a dynamic of a situation that this just hasn't had much success, right? So it's been at the bottom of the Division One for an extremely long period of time, um, and, and, and we're trying to get out of that gutter. So when you you know set the stage our first year, and we we lead the. Uh, um, uh, we're one of the leaders in defense in our league. You know, we break the school record for blocks in a season. We're top 10 in the first uh, semester in steals per game, you know, uh, and we showed some progress, man. We took North Carolina Central to overtime. You know, we had we had some really key wins over Bethune-Cookman and FAMU uh, and, and just had some, some really uh, great things to build off of. And then to not play obviously puts us in a tough spot um, to grow off of that, right? So, where we've tried to grow is just in our relationships with our players and them having an understanding of what we're trying to do. So now we kind of get back to it. You know, we are going to take a step back athletically, but hopefully we made some strides mentally. But you never know until you actually get to the competition, right? So that's the that's what challenges you. So um, we're ready to get back to that. But uh, it, it's going to be a journey. We're back to year one, um, maybe a little bit further behind than where we started because of these dynamics. But we got to just keep working hard and pushing forward, and that, that's what we're striving to do. 
And, and Jason, let me ask you, brother, how much film did you watch of other teams to kind of pick up some things defensively, schematically, otherwise, maybe you want to implement in your system going forward here? Because I know having all that time off, you know, you get to look at all, all kind of games, different, different kind of films, study who's doing what and, and, and how, and see maybe you can apply to your guys because each, each team is different, but you can kind of get some things to maybe say, hey, this might work for this guy, this set works for this guy. So how is that for you and your staff look, kind of looking at film and other guys around the country? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, I tried to not try not re recreate the wheel over and over again. You know, I wanted to stay true to some of the things that we did implement with the guys that we had um, and, and get some carryover with that. So um, as much film as I watched of, of, of other teams in the league, I wanted to get a feel for, you know, what other teams were still doing in the MEAC to, to kind of make sure that the scouts that we did for them prior were still going to be consistent. Um, you know, um, then you've got some new coaches coming to the league for next year. So there's going to be some turnover in that regard. But, you know, didn't really do too much in terms of changing of what we were going to do. Maybe just tightening it up and, and coming up with new creative ways to implement those things. Um, but, you know, we're going to still play a similar style offensively, a similar style defensively. Hopefully we, we won't just have a lot of great movement and passing going on on offense where everyone's like, oh, man, they run that cool NBA style offense. And then we missed the shot. Hopefully now we'll be able to run some of that offense and we've added some better shooters to be able to complete the place, you know. And then defensively, we want to pick up what we left off in terms of being one of, one of the top tier defensive teams in the league. So um, I wouldn't say too many changes. There's more creative ways in terms of how to implement things that we always were trying to do. And I know it's cliche, but I tell you all the time, it's make or miss. In the NBA, college basketball, ultimately it's putting their ball in the basket, playing hard and energy and effort. That's what it boils down to. I know it's cliche, and I know reporters don't understand that. Because, I mean, because, you know, I'm in the media, but I play ball. So, I'm like, I know where not to ask somebody. <laughs> I play my, I play myself. I don't ask dumb questions on these post-game Zooms. Post-game, <laughs> boy, they're painful. But you get what I'm saying. Like, people need to understand it. it's, it's, it's a lot that goes into it, but mainly it's make or miss energy and effort. You got to make shots, no question about it. You know, I think sometimes the way it comes off when people say make or miss, I tell our college players not to listen to that too much because the NBA game having coached there is different than the college game, and I've no been doubt. at both levels. You, you know, so the difference in the NBA game is the dynamic way in which you can defend. So you can't have the same help side. You can't load up and have somebody standing in the paint and just crowding the driving lanes for LeBron James. If he feels like he can rip it baseline, the, 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 the three seconds in the key defensive rule is going to prohibit you from having somebody standing there just in position to take charges or load up against them. So in the NBA, you're on more of an island to be able to guard guys one-on-one. In college, defense does matter at a higher level. You mean yes. you can actually do some things schematically and, and be able to get some stops, get some scores out in transition. So if you're missing shots on, on a night, you still can find ways to be competitive in, in the basketball game. At the end of the day, you do got to make shots. But in the NBA level, it's a little bit more make or miss than it is at the college level. So it is two different games. No doubt, man. No doubt. And also, you know, you you got back in the broadcast booth. But I saw you, man. You're trying to take my gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> take my gig, what I be doing, man. So how's that getting back in the broadcasting booth, man? Talking about the Sixers doing the G League and doing the pop Sixers stuff, man. I'm telling you, I saw some clips of you. You did a good job, man. I'm scared now. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it, man. I, you know, I went, a lot of people. It's funny because you know, a lot of people don't realize I went to school for broadcast. So I have a degree in communications and broadcasting. Um, I had a radio show in college. Uh, we, we launched a nice podcast, the Hone Your Craft podcast. We teamed up with uh, 
women's coach Fred Bash, and we did some pretty cool things here uh, on the shore and having some creative guests come in. Jeff Goodman came on, uh, former NBA player Alvin Williams, Ed Pickney. We've had some cool guests, Monica McNutt from, from ESPN. So we did some dynamic features on those people and, and, and just had some great episodes. And then the other thing is for me, you know, yeah, I got a chance to go and do some of the G League games, the pregame, the halftime, and the postgame show. And that was really cool because I got a chance to kind of put some scouting report stuff out for the upcoming opponent. And then at halftime, I would be able to kind of see how that kind of went and, and be able to make comments on both teams. And then the postgame show, have some fun and do some highlights and things like that. And uh, did a pretty good job. And then the Sixers brought me in to do uh, some of the 76ers live countdown. And I had a, a segment called Inside the Matchup. So that, that was cool. We kind of highlighted some things uh, like your guy, uh, Trey Young, down there kicking our butts. <laughs> you know, and talking about creative ways to stop him. So had a lot of fun with the broadcast today, man. I appreciate you, uh, the kind words, and enjoying it. And uh, I think some people were surprised that I had that layer. But, uh, hey, man, in this business, you got to have more layers, man. You know, you gotta, you gotta oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, for me, I, I'm also a DJ as well. So I DJ on the side. So when COVID goes away, I can go back in and get like, some more gigs in the club, man, making money, spending them records. Hey, we got to get the boss man down for Hawk Hysteria, man. We got to get you on the one and twos, getting it <laughs> rocking and rolling, man. We got to get the smoke out. We got to have the DJ booth set up, man. We got to get it. Basketball is back, man. So we got to have a big time. Hey, I'll be ball. on the show for that. Hey, <laughs> I love to throw it down the music for the people. I have my, I have everybody from age 60 to 18 jamming. Cause you know, I got it for you, man. I got it nice, for you. Nice, man. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Hey, you got layers, man. You you got the you got the the boss man show going. You got the DJ thing going. You're like an agent too, man. You're all right. You're, 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 you're out here. You know what I'm saying? Recognize the challenges that we're going through. Promoting extra time on the contract, you know. Oh yeah, hey, hey, look, company, I went to school for business, <laughs> Tennessee State Business Administration. So hey, <laughs> hey, so I, I got the the talking part there. I didn't need to go to school for that part of it, but the business side of it, I got you. And I'll be honest, yeah, I do my own contracts. <laughs> <laughs> now make them be very favorable for me for sure. <laughs> nah, no question, man. But now you recognize the difference of, of what we're going through here and, and, and what we inherited and, and what's been the history here. And, and obviously the dynamic of what just happened in terms of not playing. So um, you want, you're somebody that pays a, a, a keen attention to HBCU and MEAC basketball. So, you know, the journey here at Eastern Shore. So I know you understand, you know, what we're up against, you know, and it's going to take time. And that's one of the things I tell fans all the time is that, you know, be encouraged by the work that we're doing here and grinding, but also Damn. understand that this is going to be a process. It's going to take time um, and, and it's not going to be a, a overnight success. With that being said, I really love the guys that we have. We got good players, man, good, good people. Um, they're here on the up, up here this summer working hard and uh, trying to get back to this thing, man. But it's going to be a transition as we get back into competing. No doubt about it. And what are your thoughts on this, man? Like, you know, the MEAC has lost schools, man. Like, A&T's gone, Hampton's gone, Savannah State's gone now. Uh, the two Florida schools going to the SWAC. So it's down to eight schools in the MEAC, man. And I'm worried because I told you this privately. I'm worried because I know a school's in your league are looking elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of rumors going on right now. So what's facts? What's rumors? I try not to pay too much attention to it. We've got enough to worry about here in terms of this grind and trying to build this program up, which is an everyday 24 hours a day operation. Whether Even if you're not on the clock, you're on the clock in your mind, just constantly coming up with new ideas and new things to, to present to try to inspire change. Um, but with that being said, with the league, 
I think, you know, it is a tough time in terms of us losing teams, but it's also an exciting time when you think about it because there's new opportunities to bring in new teams uh, over the next few years and kind of change the landscape of the MEAC and give it some new flavor. Um, so, never, and, and also when you're coming out of a COVID and a pandemic type situation, to not have to get on planes and travel to Florida to play Cookman, to play FAMU, you know, even though everybody probably look forward to those trips, it's more cost effective right now in situations where everybody's coming off of, you know, losing a lot of money last year, you know, so it, it, it makes sense for us in our league right now to be more streamlined into teams, you know, in the, I guess we would call it the mid-Atlantic region, um, you know, in the DMV and then and, and, and right there just touching North Carolina Central. So um, that, 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 that's where we are right now. So it can be looked at one or two ways. I'm, I'm kind of a half glass full guy, <laughs> you know, no um, it, the, the league is tight. It's a tight 18 league right now. You got your usual suspects in, in North Carolina central, Norfolk state, you know, Morgan's on the rise, you know, uh, Howard's doing some great things over there, but I think it's going to be wide open in many ways with the roster turnover, the new coaches coming in and all the things that we're going through right now for some new teams, to be able to try to, to make some noise. Now, how has it been for us scheduling-wise? I know that the guaranteed money is not what it used to be. And so how has it been trying to get guaranteed games for you guys knowing you have to raise money for the university to kind of make up for some of the things happened the prior year? So how has it been for you and your staff trying to get games for you guys, man? Well, it's no secret that Mount Eastern Shore has always been on the, the heavy end of the stick in terms of bringing in, <laughs> you know, some of the higher end of guaranteed game money is having to play more than – uh, most other schools, but you know uh, that that's the dynamic of the situation that we're in right now. And and uh, but I think that it's it's a it's a dynamic for us. It was a, a challenge, but at the same time we didn't play this year, so people were aggressively looking to play us <laughs> and and to pay us. So you know uh, we weren't a team that you know played. So I think that we were able to get uh, some numbers that uh, to get us to a certain place, uh, guaranteed game wise and financially for our institution that might've been a little bit harder for other two teams this year that did play. Um, so, and, and, you know, so people are definitely looking at us saying, Hey, let's try to get those guys. They didn't play. So, <laughs> you know, like, let's get that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, we were able to negotiate numbers that I think other people weren't able to negotiate. So <laughs> you know, I think we came pretty close to getting our number that we were, our goal number that we needed to bring in. You know, I always love listening to those of the negotiation calls because sometimes I'm, I'm in offices <laughs> and those are going on. I'm just, I'm just sitting back, you know, he, hearing it out. I'm saying, ask for more. Ask for more. <laughs> they got more. <laughs> well, you can always you can always get more as the as it gets closer and closer to the end of the summer. And and now, you know, those numbers start hiking up ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So it's uh, you know, it's it's a it's a market right now. It's a market that I'm hoping we're we're able to change, and, and hopefully down the line, we're sitting here talking about we can't get guarantee games because no one wants to play us. You know, like Norfolk State right now uh, has established themselves. You know, as a program that nobody really wants to pay them to play because they could, they've come in and they've won so many times in guarantee games, and they've had success in postseason. So. Um, it's hard for them to get games. We want to be able to get to that type of place where it's like, I got to go in and say, hey, we couldn't get that number because nobody wants to play. Um, that's something that's never happened here, but we're going to work hard to get to that place at some point. And brothers in ATL, co-play for my <laughs> man Jason, man. I'm telling y'all, it'll be cool. <laughs> I got you. Hey, look, the Atlanta Hawks, the UMES Hawks, it's, it's all Hawks, Hawks Nation, baby. Come on now. Hey, man. Hey, Help my man play out. Go play for my man. I'm telling y'all to do it. Go play for my man. 
if you're a guard, you got some handles, man. You like to play in some pick and roll action. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you like to spread the floor. If you're a big, you like to run the floor and, and you like to catch it, throw it down on those people with two hands, let them know about it. And if anybody likes to defend, you know, <laughs> you know, we that's the guys that we love, man. Guys that are serious about this game. Um, our players right now in the library, study hall in the summertime, man. Serious about your books. You know, come on up and give us a holler, man. Come on down here to Eastern Shore, man. Beautiful place. The sun is out, close to the beach, you know, and basketball is back. And, and Jason, let me ask you this, man. You got to watch the Hawks for seven games. What are your impressions of our, of our roster, man, as a whole? You guys got a young and upcoming roster, man. I think you were able to make some strides because of your youth and your ability to shoot the basketball. But let's not take anything away from Trey Young because, you know, <laughs> we know that that's the engine that spearheads this whole uh, dynamic oh, team that you guys have. His swag. Uh, his toughness, his competitive drive, his ability to shoot the basketball and create off the bounce for other guys is impressive. You know, I was a little disappointed that the Sixers didn't come out and pressure him as much with, the, with as much consistency to kind of get the ball out of his hands. They had a lot of success with that in the games when they did. But uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. And then you've got, got some blue-collar, hard-hat guys, uh, Capella, you know, to just go out there and get rebounds and just, you know, tough and just kind of, you know, hard work guys, uh, you know, blue blue-collar, lunch pail guys, and then you got an array of shooters around Trey so that he can kind of get in there and you can't collapse the defense on him. So really up-and-coming roster, man, and I'm glad they gave Nate McMillan a head job. What took so long? Like he could have he got the head job way before <laughs> the season being ended and them having to collaborate. You know, shout out to Nate McMillan, uh, former Seattle Supersonic, big-time three-point shooter back in the day uh, on getting that head job. Now, let me ask you this, Coach. Do you give – John Collins and Max Deal at four years, 124. When the Hawks, if you let's go down to Eastern Conference, they're sixth at best next year starting. I don't know if you can give them the max, but, you know, I think uh, maintaining the core and the culture and the chemistry is important. Um, so I think you try to find creative ways. You bring them in, sit them down, and try to tell them what the effects of giving him a max deal might do to their ability to expand their roster in a, in a, in a Eastern Conference that's on the rise right now. And just like you said, you see what the Bucs are doing. You know the Sixers, whether they retain Simmons or if they do something on the trade market, you know they're going to make plays. So, like you said, they're still not, even though they've been able to compete with those teams, they're not exactly where they want to be at yet. So I think having that sit down with them and just trying to see, you know, and, and looking at that model that was used in Golden State, you know, to get multiple players in there, somebody had to take less. Looking at that model when San Antonio put together a lot of guys, and somebody had to take less. Tim Duncan sacrificing, you know. I think bringing Trey Young into the equation and letting them be a part of some of those conversations and and just recruiting guys to come as well, you know, makes that environment one in which it's like, hey, guys are going to sacrifice so they can put the best team together to win championships. Because at the end of the day, the money's great, but like I know those guys feel like they want to, you know, be a part of winning something. So um, as long as he can get paid and still have that chance, hopefully they can figure that out. So I'm looking at the roster. I got we got Herder coming up next year, needing his, his extension. You also got to extend yep. eventually Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. Now forget about Oneka Okongwu. So I was like, you might got to pay four more guys if you give JC the max at 31 million a year with Trey Young getting the max as well. The Hawks have been the luxury tax for, for a while. I'm going to pay the luxury tax to be a, maybe when went around the playoffs and be out. Yeah, or lose first round period. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, just just looking at it from GP, I think JC has a ceiling. Maybe four years, 100 million he may go to, but 
beyond that, he's going to say, you, you can go. Then it's going to come down to between Herder, Reddish, and Hunter. Who do yep. you pay and keep? Because you can't keep all three of those guys. And O'Connor yeah, yeah. going to take Capella's place eventually. So I know what that's got, about. That's, it's it's, it's got, tricky. You got me with my, my, my general manager hat on right now. So I'm pulling up the stats. <laughs> and I'm kind of <laughs> looking at some of this stuff. And, you know, I, I think when you look at uh, some of the numbers, you know, I, it, it's, it's, you know, Collins is not really at 13 points a game. Um, you know, eight, nine rebounds, that's great. But is he, is he demanding max dollars? Uh, it, you just, it, they just have to be able to put it all together and be able to see how it maps out and be able to, you know, I sure don't want to mess with those numbers right now <laughs> in terms of trying to navigate all that type of stuff. But, you know, they're going to go over in some way, shape, or form, and that, that typically is going to happen. But at the end of the day, they got to make a decision on is it the best to keep the nucleus together and the chemistry they got or to try to say, hey, you know what, we can find somebody that can do exactly what you can do. You might be able to bring somebody else in for cheaper, but you don't know if the chemistry is going to still be the same. And that's the, the risk you run if it takes getting – Collins to stay to be max, you know, that that's the risk you run into. Can we go get somebody that can give us something similar to that? Or do we find the best way to keep this guy so we can keep the, the chemistry intact? That's what Trey Young becomes a part of this too. You know, like like and, and how involved is he in in these conversations? As much as I love JC, and that's my guy. <laughs> I gotta I gotta let him walk to Dallas, Miami, San Antonio, <laughs> but Sacramento. See, but here's what happens. If you do that, then you bring somebody else in, right? So let's say let's play devil's advocate. Okay, you don't give it to him, but you bring somebody else in, right? Yeah. Did you did you see all the other like I've been watching uh during the COVID, so I saw the, the Pistons thing. So you saw when the Pistons lost uh, you know, uh one guy and they oh, man, who was the guy they brought in and it just like messed everything up? The the culture was all messed up and they they got rid of him and they brought in uh oh man, I just saw this thing. Talking but, about Jackson. Nah, nah, the, the, with the bad boy days when they had Isaiah and they had Joe Dumars and, and the Sixers had, um, they, they were on a decline and they had to get rid of somebody and they brought somebody in that was Isaiah Thomas's boy. They grew up together, played together in the past and it helped the chemistry go to another level. You know, what I'm basically getting at is that, that the chemistry is huge. So you got to make some type of sacrifice. So if they're able to get rid of him and bring somebody in for less, they can't sacrifice the chemistry though. So, because if they get somebody from less, he comes in, and now the locker room's all messed up. Well, now you just took a step back and would have made more sense to give Collins the max, if, you know, if that kept the chemistry intact. So, it, it's, it's a roll of the dice either way you put it. And, and I'll be honest with you, and this is something I've said on the record. I wouldn't have gave Gallo 20.5 being to come off the bench. That is me, though. There's a lot of paper. <laughs> you know, off the bench for 20.5 million. I wouldn't did that. Now, Bogdanovich <laughs> is definitely a steal at his rate. Um, Chris Dunn will be back on his player option for sure. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's a certain numbers for me I'm not going to do. See? Because, <laughs> see. Here's you tell me the Hawks are generous down there. Maybe I should I should get my ankles taped and get, get a little <laughs> stretchy and get suited up and, and, yes. and try to come down there and see if I can still if I can get a check. <laughs> yeah, a six man, a, the six man making $20.5 Gallo's a cool dude, but. Off the bench of twenty point five mil? I don't think so. Not 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 on Jr.'s team at least. Jr. for GM. Nah, <laughs> I'm playing. We, he's not playing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting money into my starting five. Not so much. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that was my thoughts. Uh, so, uh oh, if giving Gallo and Bogdan but don't this much money, 
JC either on the block, he ain't gonna be here next year. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the at the, at the cap. Because yeah, I know yeah. I know how the Hawks think. <laughs> the Hawks don't pay the tax unless we're gonna be good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if it being in fifth, sixth best in the East is gonna make Mr. Wrestler say, "I'll pay the tax for this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, see what happened. You guys saw a dynamic change in the, in the seasons right now. But let's not forget about the fact that they were the underdog and had nothing to lose. When they got nothing to lose. You're playing loose, you know. You got mm-hmm. an interim head coach who's, you know, what I mean, like, like it's, it's like a, there's no pressure, right? Now, what, what the Atlanta Hawks are going to have to see now, and this is what I got, they do have to make sure that their roster is as tight as they can possibly get it. You, you identified some key things in terms of they probably might still have fourth to six best talent in the league. Okay, so they're not going to just come out the gates and be one, two, or three. You know, they're going to be in that, you know, in that middle of the pack kind of range. So. But now what's going to be added is the pressure, you, you know, the, the expectations, you know, um, you know, so because based off what they did, you know, so now it's a whole different ball game. I think you also see, you know, with the Sixers, you know, like the pressure and the expectations, you mm-hmm. know, of being a certain getting to a certain place, you know, at some points you could see it on film became a little bit overwhelming, you know, like like Ben Simmons isn't shooting that from the free throw line just because that we that some of that was, you know, related to the pressure, the overwhelming expectations of getting to a certain place. And we got to still remember, it's not like the Sixers have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals at any time in the recent years of this process. No so doubt. they still, as much as we want to say that, and that's my team, you know, haven't been part of that organization, as much as we want to see them there, they still haven't gotten there yet. Um, it's like when Michael Jordan was trying to get past the Detroit Pistons or, or you know, when – uh. You know, everybody was trying to get past the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas was trying to get past the Celtics. You know, there's not that one identifying team. I don't know if the Hawks are that team, but the Sixers haven't made it yet. So, and now the Hawks have to prove that what they just did this year wasn't just like some good luck and and just we haven't been here before fun. <laughs> you know, exactly. And I'll just say the matchups weren't good for us because yep. we didn't have any teams to put Trey Young in action. The Knicks yep. let them hide against on Bullock in the corner. The Sixers let him hide on Thibault and, you know, Danny Green when he was playing or hide on yeah. the Ben Simmons. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, so yeah. – and the Bucks caught us in him on the injury because the Bucks were letting him hide on, on Tucker. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. if – because Nate's going to hide Trey Young. He's going to try to hide him always. Yep. So you have, to, you have to put him in the action. So you have to put whoever he's guarding, put him in the action. Just to get, run, run, run dummy action to get Trey Swift thrown to, to, to your main guy. Like the Suns would definitely let him, okay, go, you had on bridges. Okay, we'll bring him up and do a one, three, pick and roll to get you off of on Chris Paul. So that's the part of Doc, Thibodeau, and Bud. I just like, the, the, everybody knows in the league, won't beat the Hawks, put Trey, you make him defend in the action. Coach JR right now, man, coming up with the double or hedge, (laughs) you know, and to get it out of your hands, to get him back to where he wants to be. No no question about it. And then you got Embiid getting injured in the series a little bit, and that affected some things. I thought the game um, when Dwight Howard had to start um, threw the Sixers off a little bit because there was a game. Anytime you got a a lead player in a game-time decision, you're all over the place because you might have two game plans. You got the game plan if this guy's starting. You got the game plan mm-hmm. if this guy's starting. You know what I mean? So it, it's always interesting when you see that. Um, it gives the other team an advantage to kind of get a mental edge because you're coming in uh, more prepared. You know, uh, when it's a game time decision, 
you're never as fully prepared as you would like to be. So that definitely had some effects. But as much as you love your Hawks, you know that there's two games out there that were just flat out done, over, game done. Of course. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree, and I'm going to tell you, this is what I said on the radio. The Sixers going to their bench, the difference in the series, had Doc yeah. tightened up the rotation and not playing nine, ten men like a game eight, eight, two regular season. I feel like had he shortened the bench up, it's when was top six, seven guys, eight, seven guys, and hey, look, I can't do this. Because every big league the Sixers got, the bench lost it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like I'm not going to question a man that's, 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 you know, that's done it for as long as he has and, and, and uh, put him in that position. But, I mean, like, you know, the players still got to make plays. You know, yes. they, they still got to make plays. And and uh, one thing I do got to say is I thought Embiid, you know, um, with with through adversity physically, man, you know, really did that. try to – he really did. I mean, he was out there. My heart was pounding like crazy. Same here. Like, like when he was diving for balls and he was, uh, you know, putting his body on the line, I was very uh, impressed with his maturity as a leader in that moment to to come and show out, man. And, and uh, there were some games that they didn't close out that hopefully they learned from. Um, see, Ben and Joe are mature now. They're older guys now. So you could even see the way they owned it in the press conferences. They know they know what happened. They know what happened. They know what's up. They know what they got to do. And if they're still together – you know, hopefully they can still do. They can they can try to get on the path of doing some special things. They've been together for for a good amount of time now. So if you're sticking them with these guys, then you got to be all in with them for the good and the bad because they're they're maturely handling uh, adversity in a in a positive manner. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what happens in the Eastern Conference. I'm looking forward to it because I know Indiana will be better. With Carlisle, Indiana will be better. The Wizards may be tearing, may be going to a rebuild. Uh, do the Bulls sign Lonzo Ball or another point guard? So I'm looking forward to this offseason to see what happens because I'm like, okay, the dominoes going to be falling here real quick. And I know Lou Will wants to yeah. be back in Atlanta again. And I was shocked. Hey, Lou Will put on a show up there for the Sixers fans. One, he turned out to back the clock that one game up there, man. Like, he looked like five years ago, Lou Will. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like, yeah, he came, he came to the press conference, swagged out with the chain. I was like, all right, man, all right, he let him know. He still got a little bit left in the tank. Show it to him. But now, JR, you don't went from radio uh, personality, host, to talent evaluator, all right, DJ, sports agent, and crunch time playoff coach (laughs) and general manager in this one session. Many layers to the man, JR, man, boss man in the house. <laughs> yes. Hey, coach, hey, if they would have the house hired me today, I would help them in so many different ways other than radio. They just gave me a call. I got you, guy. Hey, look, my hometown team, I would do anything to help the house. I remember play, going to watch play in the old Omni. Yeah, I yeah, you're going to throw back, throw back. Sneak yeah. in the Omni, because, Coach, I'll be real with you. I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't afford tickets to the Hawks games. I grew I was in yeah. the hood, so yeah, I knew yeah, how to sneak yeah. in the Omni and get in the Omni and watch the games. <laughs> I could hear you announcing the players, you know what I mean? Like, I could hear you calling number 11, Trey Young. You know what I'm saying? I could hear you kind of doing the pregame. I could hear you doing all that stuff, man. Good stuff, man. Love the passion. I wish I could be as passionate about that about my Knicks. My Knicks, you know, growing up in New York, I've all been a diehard Knicks fan. Shout out to the Knicks for getting back to the playoffs, man. But uh, no hopefully doubt. we can kind of get this thing right in New York and, uh, you know, get, get you know, and, and I mean, for New York Knicks to not be in the playoffs, you know, oh, man, it was, it was good to see the Garden, 
you know, rocking again uh, this year. It's been so long. But, uh, yeah, guys, see my Knicks guy. Keep pushing forward, man. Shout out to the Knicks. I was a Knicks fan <laughs> for a little while. I'm going to tell you why. In 91, at Coach Allen's basketball camp in Nashville, I met Anthony Mason. <laughs> Four years old, 91, I met Mace. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Here's my New York Knicks story. So think about this for a second. So it's like, if you said that was 1991? Yes, four years old for me. I, I don't remember the year. It was, it was in the early 90s. Um, I was at a USBL, United States Basketball League game. And I'm watching this game. I think the game might have been at like Stony Brook University. Um, and I'm in the stands. I'm like, a, I'm probably like nine, 10 years old, maybe. Um, and uh, I'm watching this game and I had my dad bring me to this game and like nobody's there. Like I'm just a basketball group. I'm looking at the roster and there's this guy out there who's just playing his heart out. He's diving for loose balls. He's taking charges. He's going baseline. He's going chest to chest, dunking on people. He's smacking the floor. He's, he's in the huddles, animated and talking to his teammates. And I left and I said, I don't know who that guy is, but he's, he's going to be really good one day. And I kept that program. And down the line later, that was John Starks. Wow. <laughs> John Starks. Was playing in like the USBL. He had a crazy journey. Uh, played junior college basketball. Played like he, he had a crazy journey to get to that place. And then he was able to get to the NBA. So when everybody saw him doing what he was doing for the Knicks, he, his journey to get there, he played with so much onion, so much toughness, so much passion because of his journey. He got a dynamic journey, man. Shout out to John Starks, man. One of my favorite players of all time. Uh, you know, I know he's not a premier starting guy and all that type of stuff, but like, hey, if you're in New York and you say the dunk, you know that's when John Starks went baseline and went side like this and Jordan came in there and he said, Come on, man. Let's go. He threw it down. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I miss the old Knicks, Oregon. The new Oregon ain't like the old Oregon was in Madison Square Garden. The new one ain't as good as the old one was. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the dun dun Yes. And my man Ray playing the tunes on, on the old Oregon, too. Yeah, yeah, Ain't the yeah, same yeah, no nah. more. It's like, nah, this ain't the nah. old garden, Oregon, how it used to be. I, I missed the old one back when I was growing up. Yeah. Yep, yep. Back in the cheap seats, man. Uh, we used to get like the ten dollars seats and be in the back row, man, all the way up top. Think, though we was doing it, though we were doing it big, man. We at the Knicks game, we can't see nothing, <laughs> but we we in the top row, the ten dollars seats. You know, back in the day, doing it, man. But uh, Pat Ewan, Charles Oakley, Mark Jackson. You know, what I mean, like we had you know Anthony Mason. Like that was a team that New York could resonate with. We could, you know, it was blue collar, tough. We got after you. You know, they just couldn't get over the hump and win the whole thing, man. But uh, shout out to the old school Knicks, man. That that's still that, they they still got my heart. Yes, like I said, you know, four years old, man. Me and Anthony Mason, cause my mom went to Tennessee State to get her a master's degree. So I was like, I was be at basketball camp in the YSP program. So getting to meet Anthony Mason, Carlos Rogers, as a yeah. young dude. Yeah. So I was a Knicks fan because I he went to Tennessee State where my mom was school at. Now I was a yeah, Hawks yeah. fan too. You know, I love my Atlanta Hawks. I like Hawks get, but I like because he went. He he knew Mace knew my mother, and you know, yeah. and Coach Allen let me come to camp. And I was a four year old who coached you at Eastern Shore as well. So like, hey, I was like, shoot, it's all good. I'm gonna shoot for the Knicks and the Hawks. Oh, I never played the Hawks. I shoot for the Hawks, of course. My dad wouldn't. Yeah, go, yeah. You you are Atlanta Hawks, so not a New York Nick. What say do you uh. in Georgia? Okay, then I got you. <laughs> Got you, man. Got you, got you, got you. Good stuff, brother. Last one I got for you, Coach. You've been from New York, man. 
What's up with the Nets, man? Because it was over in Jersey and on Long Island. So all these Nets fans, bandwagoners or, or Nets fans that got frustrated with and came Nets fans, what is it with these this, this Nets fan base now? <laughs> well, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about the dynamic of New York sports, so, you know, we got three football teams in the state of New York and the Buffalo Bills, the, the New York Jets, New York Giants. Then we got two that play in the same facility, the Jets and the Giants playing the same facility, you know, and then in the basketball we had that separation with the Nets being in Jersey and the Knicks being in New York. But the Knicks, when the, when, when the Nets came to New York and they kind of created that Barclays Center in the heart of Brooklyn, I mean, right there, you know, smack middle in the heart, man. Like, you know, they, and, and the, the gear they came out with, just the whole Brooklyn swag, I think it really just like touched the hearts of, of, of New York and, and Brooklyn and, and, and people. And they also came in with a better team. They came into New York with a better team in New York had and being in New York all that time. So people were tired of seeing the Knicks lose. So they just became, they switched jerseys real fast and went to being a part of the Nets. Then you had Jay-Z supporting them a little bit too. I mean, like it just, it just, it just, everybody switched gears. That's why it was great to see the Knicks get back to the playoffs so we could kind of get this thing back to where it needs to be. Because as cool as Barclays is, it's really updated. It's nice. It's a cool place. There's still no place like the Garden. I agree we got to get that organ back because the new organ doesn't have the same effect. But there's still no place like the garden. It's not like like a midi synth kind of organ. Like it's midi. <laughs> like you know, now coach, I'm, t- I'm gonna go deep level for you. I took classes in music too, so that's a midi synth organ that they're using now. It's, it's not <laughs> as good as the old school with the pipes. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah, know, yeah. like man, look. So you yeah, know, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, my no man, question, right? Man, no and also, the Hawks stole the, your organ too. You know, it's like the Hawks game. <laughs> Hawks had the defense in the Knicks organ too. Sometimes you know it's that. You, oh man, that's hilarious! Did you pick up on yeah the Hawks? My I mean, man, Sir Foster, he 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 learned it from Ray, but yeah, he mixes in the Knicks defense organ too down in the, in the Hawks games as well. Hey man, a lot of stuff gets stolen from New York, man. Sorry, we just <laughs> we just throw ideas out there and let everybody live off them. You know what I mean? That's the heart of the city. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, Coach Jason Crafty, we covered a lot today, brother. This was fun, man. Let's do this again more no often, my guy, for real. For sure, man. Love, love catching up with you, man. Let's do something else for, as, as the summer comes to an end and uh, we get ready for preseason or something before the MEAC. Uh, whatever you want to do, brother. But always appreciative of jumping on your show. Love what you do, man. And learned a lot about you as well today, man. <laughs> yes, indeed. All, all good, brother. Hey, have me on your show. I'll come on your show and talk about my life journey and the hogs. Whatever we talk about, I, I can come with finances man. with you too. Money, politics. I got it all for you, man. <laughs> The, the the Hone Your Craft podcast. Everybody be ready. JR, a.k.a. The Boss Man, jumping off. We're going to do this collaboration, and we're going to make it big. <laughs> no doubt, Coach. Hey, you be safe, brother. Talk to you real soon, my guy. I appreciate you, bro. No doubt. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.